You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Trent Fleskins here. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. This week, we're going to talk about our forecasts and fundamentals. We're not talking suburbs this week. We're going to leave that till next week. I'll give you a couple of hints as we go along today. But this week is all about forecasting fundamentals that will drive house price growth in 2023 in your suburb in Perth. Specifically, we're talking about demand, supply, cash rates, vacancy rates, immigration, and a number of cultural shifts and policy shifts that will start to have effect on your value of your property. As I've always said, price growth is a derivative of one very simple equation, demand growth over supply growth. And the one thing that tweaks that is affordability. Affordability being a derivative of the cash rate. Let's start with demand and have a look at where it's been the last couple of years as a state. This is really important and where it's going to be this year, where our forecast demand will be this year. So over the last couple of years, we've seen demand shoot up to median numbers higher than we've ever seen in Perth before. Back in the dark days between 2017 and 2020, we averaged about 550 transactions a week in Western Australia. They were as low as it got for a long time, remembering that in the boom, we sat around the 800 transactions per week mark for a couple of years there. And demand really is that number one indicator of price growth. You can't have a transaction without demand. And when transactions are sitting up at new levels, it demonstrates that the growth in demand is generally going to be higher than supply, given supply always lags demand. Now, where has it been the last couple of years? Well, in the calendar year 2021, we averaged a weekly transaction number of about 930. That number absolutely eclipses where our median transaction number was in the last boom of about 800. And that was followed on again with a really strong year on average, which may surprise a lot of people given the effect interest rates have had on our back pocket, especially nationally. But in Western Australia, we went from 930 in 2021 to 911 transactions per week. So a slight reduction in overall demand for property in WA, but still consistently above our previous peak in transactions and therefore demand in Western Australia. So that's a positive. That's the first part of the equation. Demand still sits very high on average. Let's have a look at supply. Supply five years ago was sitting around 16,000, 17,000 properties on the market as per REWAS stats. That number is about 50% more than what we expect a balanced market to be, being 12,500, 13,000 properties. Even before COVID though, the amount of properties on the market had been dwindling away. And by the time COVID hit, we sat at a balanced market. We were already at a market that was recovering regardless of the stimulus that came from COVID. However, since then, that really supercharged our demand. And obviously, supply lags demand and hasn't been able to keep up. Our supplier has come all the way down now to 8,000 properties and it's sat there for the last two years. It's been sitting between 7,800 and 8,500 properties on the market, according to Rewa, for the last two years. Where is it sitting right now? It's still at about 8,200 properties. That number clearly sits about 30-40% below a balanced market. And when demand sits well above long-range averages and supply sits well below long-range averages, you can see that the fundamentals for growth as long as affordability is still conducive to transactions, which clearly it is given demand is there, means one thing, it means growth. And that's a story we've been telling on this podcast for the last five years. We've been very lucky actually to tell a very positive story from the darkest days of Perth's property market 
and it's pretty easy to tell a good story when you're coming from numbers that poor to now being at numbers that are record-breaking in WA. And what has that led to in the last 12 months? It, well, we've seen some, a fantastic first quarter of the year, a spillover from the boom, which we can call that a boom in 2021. Up until about April of 2022, we saw consistent growth. Another 6% was made in that four-month period, and we were looking towards what would have been another cracking year in terms of price growth. And then came the negative news. The second the Sydney market started turning just about three months before the cash rate started to move, you start to see a little bit of trepidation in the confidence levels of investors. We saw one of the wettest winters we've ever seen in Western Australia come through, start to slow down that fear of missing out. We started to move towards a more balanced dynamic at the negotiation table by the middle of the year. And then from the middle of the year, our market has endured eight cash rate rises. We'd never seen it before. No one in the industry forecasted it. And it went way further than we expected. And expectations are that it was going to go a little bit further than this. And that's where the theme of today's conversation comes out, affordability. I'm going to do my annual top 10 suburbs as a bit of a shout out to next week. We'll have my prediction for Perth's top 10 suburbs for price growth in 2023. Last year, it was our most listened to episode and I'm expecting it will be the same this year. But I wanted to talk about the fundamentals that led towards that. And as I mentioned at the start, affordability is the theme. That is the third part of the equation. We've spoken about demand growth. We've spoken about supply growth. And now it's about affordability. When a cash rate moves up, it reduces affordability. And as I've been saying for the last 12 months, whilst every cash rate has made a purchase price for median house price Joe with median house in that suburb less affordable, it is not unaffordable. And it's still not unaffordable in Western Australia. However, the national conversation, which comes out of Sydney and Melbourne, is continually one that is of an unaffordable market. Why? Because property prices were statistically unaffordable even before interest rates doubled. Now, we've endured a lot in the last seven months in Western Australia, just like the rest of the nation has when it comes to the cash rate. But what has been fantastic to see is the resilience of the market, not only from a median level with regards to growth, the market has essentially moved sideways in the last six months. Some suburbs continuing to kick on and those being the more affordable ones and a few suburbs starting to show a little bit of weakness and those being the ones that have really pushed up about 30% in the last couple of years, those being those suburbs in the inner west. And these are those suburbs that have been taken up in the last few years by those aspirational early 30s couples, one kid, one along the way, where three years ago, they've stretched themselves at the record low interest rates, got themselves into a property somewhere in the 800000 to $1.5 million range. Two, three years later, the second kid's come through. One of the parents is no longer working anymore. Serviceability has dropped. And then further to that, interest rates have doubled in that time, making it even harder. A lot of people in that situation now no longer would be able to buy that property that they've bought three years ago. They're very happy they've done that. They've made a few hundred thousand dollars just holding property in the last couple of years, but now in a position where if you haven't bought that property, you've got that non-buyer's remorse I've been talking about over the last couple of years where you haven't made that decision, you're now not going to be able to make that decision. People really have stretched themselves in that second quartile range, and that's why we're seeing a little bit of that demand come off in those spaces, not purely from a demand basis, but an affordable basis. Supply is still very tight. Those people who live there certainly don't want to leave. But demand in terms of the effervescent prices, those the fizzing up of new prices that we're seeing, starting to level off in those aspirational suburbs simply from an affordability level. That won't move until wage growth starts to kick in with the labor market moving along in WA. 
And then a whole lot of suburbs have literally just moved sideways in the last six months. So that will be the theme for 2023. We'll be talking about those suburbs that still have a lot of room to move. Those suburbs that are affordable. Now, what is affordable in Western Australia for average Joe when it comes to a cash rate? Our numbers show, and so do a lot of colleagues of mine in the industry, that our affordability buffer works towards a cash rate of 4%. The second we get above 4%, then even the fundamentals of demand growth over supply growth start to be eliminated by the fact that average Joe just can't afford the average house in the average suburb. Up until that point in time, we can continue to talk about demand and supply. So that is the one thing I'll talk to you today about the cash rate. I think it'll be folly to look to predict where the central bank is going with it this year. Most people are discussing one to two more rate rises and then a possible reduction. Some banks are still talking about a cash rate to hit in the four and a half percent space, obviously looking to the global market and the risks that the American cash rate will have on ours. I'm going to talk to growth factors outside of that today because that's the one thing we can't control. My perspective is the middle ground will be somewhere in the mid threes. And because of that, I continue to expect growth in Western Australia in the affordable suburb space this year. But what are those factors that are going to be that are going to determine affordability? Because average Joe usually buys in the average suburb. It will be factors that are bringing different people into the market, investors from other areas, owner-occupied buyers from other countries, and new home buyers that have never bought before. Those are going to be the suburbs that have money come into them that can afford the median house price in the area that are going to continue to push prices up in the way they have been in the last couple of years. So the first factor of fundamental, which is a demand side fundamental we're going to talk about, is immigration. Immigration numbers have been pushing on really well in Western Australia. They've been absolutely lagged by federal visa red tape. And we're hoping to see that start to relax and allow industry to staff their businesses for growth going forward. Because there's one thing we know about Western Australia, it certainly has the strongest economy in the country. So where's the data showing that immigration has been coming from and will continue to come from. The two locations, they were the same last year and they're going to be the same this year. It's the UK and it's India. India, obviously by virtue of its massive population, it's going to be the biggest population and it's about to have the largest working population in the world in the next couple of years. But the UK is the one that really affects our market because it certainly has a preference of where it buys. If you come from the UK, you are generally buying in the city of Joondalup, the city of Wanneroo, the city of Rockingham, and the city of Mandra. These are the places where compatriots already live. It's where they're going to continue to live. And only recently, I've been informed that over 600 policemen from the UK have an application in with the West Australian Police Force to move to Western Australia. That's a huge number of people, most of those bringing with them their wife and kids as well. That's the first theme. Our number one immigration source has been the UK in the last 12 months, in addition to the East Coast, and it will continue to be so, and that will affect those cities more than others. The next factor I want to look to is land sales. Land sales have absolutely gone through their darkest days in the last 12 months. We are still seeing land sales of about 30 to 35 sales a week in Western Australia. It is so low it's had to create a new scale on our graphs. Usually we see numbers about double that in a normal market. When land sales are that low, it means construction pipelines are really, really low. The only reason we haven't been hearing more about it is because builders have still got, especially the big builders that get in the newspapers, they've still got a pipeline of properties to build from the building grant, if you can even imagine that. Those building grants that were approved in 2020 still have until June 2023 to be able to get a slab down. Those big builders are still working through that, but they will be finished this year. 
What that means is that builders will be coming on in droves, marketing back on radio, marketing on TV, in the newspapers, giving away the free kitchen packages, the free air conditioning packages to get young people to start building again. That's where we're going to start seeing a bit more throughput again, adding a bit of supply. And certainly we're going to start seeing incentives come back on the market again. If I can segue across over to construction, that cliff in work in the pipeline, especially on the mid-tier and lower-tier builders that don't have the marketing push like the big guys, is going to start seeing and already has started seeing labor costs come off a little bit. That absolute price gouging we've seen in the last three years from tradies has to start coming down because they have to start asking for work. They will start asking for work soon and that starts with the start of the build process. It starts with the guys who are laying concrete and the guys who are laying bricks. It moves on to the timber. It moves on to the roof sheeting. Right now, we're still in the midst of trying to get ceilings put up and it will probably be tiling and paint after that. We're nearly at the end of that uh, that big wave. What we do see though at the moment is brick prices starting to come down. So we're excited to see that because we're excited to see some new supply come into the market and developers actually being able to make projects work because there's one thing we know about 2022 and that's that absolutely minimal amounts of new developments came off the ground that weren't building boost properties from 2020. And that helps me segue into the next thing. We've got a state government budget coming out in May and the industry, the Property Council, REWA, UDIA, all the big guys have been pushing for assistance with property developers actually getting off the ground. We've got 70% of apartment developments right now that have been iced, waiting. No new apartment developments have come off the ground in the last five months. And what that foreshadows is a huge supply cliff in the next couple of years. If we're not building now, we're not supplying in two years' time. That only leads to one thing, price growth. Even if demand doesn't move, even if demand moves down 15 20% to transaction levels that are around the last mining boom, supply is essentially going to hit a cliff in the next couple of years. That leads to one thing, price growth. Now, I expect we're going to see some assistance from the state government. The Property Council of Australia has been calling for interest-free loans for developers to pay for their water corporation and Western Power government fees. They're called headworks. I expect things are going to go a little bit further than that. I expect we're going to see some more assistance when it comes to possibly stamp duty relief, to possibly indexation to first home buyers grant, something to assist affordability, which is the key to this conversation for young people and downsizers to move either into a property or out of their property. We need more transactions in those spaces, certainly to allow the middle of the market, the rental space, to start to flow through. The government need to do something here because this will be the Achilles heel that holds back this economy. It won't be work available in the industry. It won't be lack of demand for our products. It'll be lack of labor to produce the product. It will cap what could be a really strong period for us. It needs to incentivize investors to enter the market and add significantly more supply, especially in the infill space in Perth. Otherwise, we'll not see all those workers we need entering the state and they'll head off to the East Coast instead. Well, how do we do this? The first thing they could be doing is reducing the foreign buyers surcharge. The second, the McGowan government increased it a few years ago. We see all the amount of new apartment buildings starting up fall off a cliff. Why? Because whether you like it or not, Chinese investors are the ballast. They are the foundation of pre-purchase demand that underpins the finances 
for apartment buildings in the investor space. Without Chinese investment, the massive money behind them, we really do struggle to get investors to pitch in for a couple of years to get these apartment developments off the ground. They're like the fleet car buyers of, of the apartment market in Western Australia. So hopefully something can be looked at in that space to assist with supplying more investment stock for the rental market. And that's where I will segue into the rental space. Vacancy rates at 0.3%. Can you imagine 0.3%? For every thousand properties in the state, three of them are available for rent. It is insanity. Now, where is the light of the tunnel in this space? There's only one factor that's going to help with this that is a possibility this year, and that is a whole bunch of first home buyers who are finally starting to move into their building boost properties who have been renting, who can now move out of that rental and free up a rental space because they're moving into their new place in their land estate. Now, the issue with that is it's not like we're sitting in a balanced market right now. We're at 0.3%. So even if we start to see a few thousand investment properties start to be vacated in the rental space, there is that much of a backlog of tenants looking every day right now and a huge push of immigration who mostly go straight into the rental market to dip their toes in the water and see where they want to live, that that will be soaked up straight away. My tip for this year is that the rental vacancy rate will start to increase. It has to, but it will still be below 1%, which is still emergency low levels. We cannot normalize this situation. We need to do more about adding investment stock into Western Australia, which segues the next point. There are still 27 million people in Australia and the property market becomes more connected every day. And for the first time in 15 years, there are no property markets in the country that are forecast to grow this year, except for Perth. What that does is it multiplies the amount of people looking to buy in Perth by 10. Perth is 10% of the country and usually we're sitting in our pocket of the country with no one noticing us getting on with our day. For the first time in 15 years, it started last year, it is going to be a huge theme of this year. Every investor who wants to buy a property around the country is going to consider themselves a national property investor, a multi-state property investor, and will be seriously considering the affordability benefits of Perth. We make more income than anyone on the East Coast except for Canberra, and our house prices are still less than half of those in New South Wales. That is an issue that will continue to be corrected. And the theme of 2021 was the early entrant. Those East Coasters who recognized that, it was very normal for them to understand that. This year, it'll be very much normalized, not only in Perth, but also around the rest of the country. There's no more Adelaide. There's no more Brisbane. There's no more Hobart. Everyone in this country will be looking to Perth for their investment. And that will be the theme of next week's predictions for my top 10 suburbs. It'll be where are the investors are going? Where is it affordable? Where can people see a great rental yield? Where can people find solid double brick, single story homes to buy around the median house price? Finally, and a little bonus one, something that's going to start pushing out next year and into the future, EV charges in apartments. It hasn't been a factor up until now because people haven't been considering it seriously, but people are going to start needing to preference at the exclusion of everything else, properties that have the availability for EV charging. If you're going to own your house or your apartment for the next seven years, which is what we do on average in Western Australia, you're going to need to think about EV charges. I know the apartment building I live in does not have one PowerPoint in the basement, and I know many other apartment buildings are in the same situation. 
that will cost the apartment owners massive money on retrofitting, one that needs to be majority approved by the council of owners in every apartment building, which is not going to happen for a very, very long time until the majority of owners also own EV cars. So how is that going to affect our market? It probably won't affect owner-occupied single houses because there will always be a capacity to upgrade those properties. There's always space in the garage. But for properties that are sharing a basement, if you do not have capacity for EV charge upgrades and you're in a large apartment development, your apartment will start to lose value relative to other apartments in Western Australia. And all apartment developers who are looking to develop right now need to take this seriously. Provide space, provide conduit space at the very least for EV charges in the future, if not now. And if I was you, I'd be talking now. Otherwise, the value of your apartment in the future in Western Australia will start to erode in the same way that the BGC flats from the 60s are now capped out at essentially $250,000 way below replacement cost. Why? Because they don't meet the needs of the present. And it will be exactly the same in the next few years as we all start to transition to EV cars, especially those people who like apartment living. EV cars will be a big part of their life. If you do not have provisions in your house or the property you're looking to buy, the apartment you're looking to buy doesn't have provisions, it will struggle when it comes to values in the future. Guys, thanks a lot for listening today. The theme is affordability and exactly what we'll be talking about in my top 10 suburb prediction for 2023 in Western Australia next week. Thanks for listening and I hope you guys will tune in next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!